Dr. Dwindle DS here. Tourist, sleazy car salesman extraordinaire, you look new, or did you just get a facelift? Either way, you look magnanimous today. You know who else is magnanimous? Starlight. That's right, this podcast. I mean, an adventure with me. In it, what's not to like? Welcome to my show. Let me show you around at the fair price of a listen, review, or subscribe. All these things go a long way to help other spacers find the show. And if you're feeling extra special, then consider checking out the Patreon. Do what makes you most comfortable. Just help a dwindle stay in business. You ever get tired of drawing maps and having your players ruin your hard work by teleporting away? Or using Charm Creature to avoid that glorious boss battle set in that laboriously crayon-drawn map? Yeah, (laughs) me too. Well, that's my problem no more. Starlight Maps and Battle Mats are now sponsored by the beautiful artwork of Loki Battle Mats from Lavish Palaces to cold alien caverns. They have a solution for everything. The maps come in big books that are easily transported, can be drawn on with erase markers, and immerse the players with a stunning reality. They'll forget they aren't actually standing by that pool of lava. And battle mats are only the beginning of what Loki has to offer. Wanna know more? Go check them out, or stop by our YouTube to see what they have to offer. Now, let's roll. Hey guys, and I'm super pumped to bring this up. This is our first ever competition, and we are glad to be able to announce a winner. So, as we had talked about last time, we ran a competition where all you had to do was follow the podcast or leave a review, um, and you would get a chance to possibly win one of our sponsors, Loki Battle Mats Prizes. It is a flip mat with a bunch of different terrain, and we are proud and excited to announce the winner. So, without further ado, here it is. The winner this time is Just a Basic Bard. Just a Basic Bard says, Amazing. Excellent podcast that has quickly become my favorite. The plot twists and sound effects make me feel like I'm being teleported into a world of the players. Looking forward to the new releases. Thank you, Basic Bard. And just so you know how you can claim your prize and get in contact with us is you will see down in the links of the podcast our email at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. Go ahead and email us there in order to claim your prize, and we will have it sent to you, uh, and you won't have to pay shipping or anything like that. So email us um, and claim your prize, and hopefully you get to roll the dice in your own awesome world. And for those of you who didn't win, there were plenty of you. Karth Cross to name one, Cameron DeFord to name another. Thank you for your support of the show. Keep your ears peeled. There's going to be more giveaways in the future. All right, guys, enough of this. Let's get to the goods for this week's episode of Starlight. Hey, welcome back to Starlight, guys. Happy April. Man, that was a wild ride with Atlas. Uh, yeah, he's up to some... <laughs> well, anyways, I'm not going to say it here. Clive has no clue. <laughs> and speaking of Clive, 
For the first time in quite a while, we welcome back Sam Williams, who plays the space cowboy, Clive Jensen. Sam, where the heck have you been, man? We, we've needed you. You know, man, it real life, adulting, man, it just pulls you away and you just get sucked into it for a while. And I've fought my way back out and Clive's back and ready to mediate between Atlas and McKenna again. Oh, I don't know if you paid any attention, but he, things have gotten really weird between them, between forming a, uh, what seems like a relationship that uh, is one-sided, where McKenna wants to date Atlas, and a lot of hate going back. It's, yeah, it's gotten Yeah, strange. you know, I, I've, I've picked up on it just quite a quite a bit. Uh, it it is it is interesting. I, I think I think uh, Atlas is playing a little hard to get, to be honest with you. But you know, <laughs> well, you know, uh, but you know what? Forget them. They're not important. We've had enough of them. I am sick of McKenna's adoptions plans. I am sick of Atlas's gambling. This is a Clive Jensen episode, and since you've been gone for a bit, uh, this is the perfect time. Give us a full description of what Clive Jensen looks like and any little tidbits that you think would be important for any new listeners who pop in on this one. Well, Clive Jensen is has an android type body. He's not very bulky. It's more of a like a slender kind of body frame. Um, he wears all black skin or a skin tight uh, armor. Mm-hmm. Um, big black trench coat, big collar. Um, he has his rifle holstered on his back and he has a cowboy hat that he wears and walks around with that he's actually not sure why he does, but, um, he does. And, uh, um, that's, that's pretty much it. He's, he's pretty much just a very, he's not a very flashy dresser. He, uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of, um, creativity when it comes to that. He's just kind of realizes that everybody else is wearing clothes and that he probably should too. The clothes are good. Clothes are good. And, uh, I mean, I think... Well, remember, he wake, he woke up and he had no idea who who he was or what he was doing. So he just kind of looked around and was like, oh, well, I got to blend in somehow. See? And that's, that's actually probably the most important bit is he is a man trying to find himself. And with that, I think that's a good opportunity to jump into Starlight. <clears throat> Neuralink, access memories. Accessing Clive Jensen, having been left alone by his companions at the mouth of the cavern and entrance to the Loxodonian Temple of the Way, has nothing but time. With the threat of Gorn and his goons and the antics of his companions' distractions away, he returns to the cavern to try and seek clues to his muddied past. In the visions of history programmed into the Christos Shard, Clive saw that the Sunmaker wore cloth that was related to the Shrine Cross a rogue state of scientists who created him, and much more. Perhaps this temple hides more than just Loxodonian secrets. Memories retrieved. As we jump into Clive Jensen's story and how he reconnects with the group and what secrets he might find, we start with an expression of fate. For the very first role of the night, Clive Jensen, will you please roll a die 100? If you roll a 51 or higher, you will get a point of inspiration. But if you roll less than that, 
I will get a point of inspiration or de-inspiration. I have already collected two from your companions. Hmm. I don't know if I lost the sound of that one. Um, how's a 62? Go ahead and mark an inspiration for you to keep and spend. And as per usual with our house Yay. rules, one inspiration point is a re-roll if you want to use it. But if you collect three, you can turn any roll into a natural 20. So that part I did not actually know. So that's cool. Clive, you stand at the foot of this cavern. It is a gaping maw with stalagmites and stalactites that hang down. The rock around you is this almost light brown tan with little flecks of almost like metallic mineral within it. You can hear the light rain without as you watch the dark shapes hurtle away, your companions moving into the inner city of Nanoi and away from the foothills of the mountain range known as the Animas. Just as they're about to get out of view, there is one last belch of smoke from Atlas's speeder, and then he disappears, leaving you alone with the noise of the night, the wind, the rain, and then the pulsing of your veins and your heart as you start to think. What did the Sunmaker know about the Shrined Cross, and is there anything here for you to discover? Is it even worth looking? Hmm, well, it seems like the weather's turned around and there's no sense in trying to make it back to the city now. And I gotta get inside before I, before I get drenched, so I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna head back inside, I'm gonna take a look around. Maybe uh, there's something Atlas must have missed or some, some sort of information I can find to find some sort of lead. And then I'll probably meet, meet back up with them later. So I'm gonna head back inside. You start making your way in, and you pass through the familiar caverns. There is like a faint shaking, but there's a few pebbles that fall, a few extra little trickles of water. And... You make your way into the cavern where you have these fluorescent kind of purplish mushrooms that are larger than life. And uh, you see various bodies littered around. You know that Atlas took one of the bodies, a uh, woman that you remember the informat Hillier was looking for. You pass that, continue down the steps that start to go from rough shod cavern to carved elegant steps into the temple itself. You pass the body of one of the dead guards that belong to Gorn, and you see, as you come to the bottom of the steps, that being's head at the bottom. The skin of the head is not normal. It's almost like a light pink, and you can only kind of just see it beneath the visor. The eyes still flicker. And when you see that, odd, you look a little bit closer and they flicker a little bit more and then they go out like a machine. Hmm, that, that seems quite curious. He's gonna <clears throat> kneel down and lift the visor up 
and see if it's actually a, some sort of machine under there, if it's just some sort of like uh, implant. So as you lift the visor up, the helmet comes off and you get this wild tuft of blonde hair that is just matted with sweat. Handsome features besides the look of fear left on the face, but the eyes themselves are now blacker than the night's. And you start to kind of turn it over. Can you make a biology check? It's gonna be a nine. It is hard to make out any concrete evidence uh, one way or the other about it. You check the liquid that's running out from the base of the, the shorn neck, and you can see that it's dropping this dappled red color onto the ground. Looks like blood. The only synth that you've really met, well, seen blood come out of is yourself, and that's been clear. So you're not sure if this is a synth, but you also have never seen a robot that looks so lifelike. You don't recognize if it's an alien species of some sort, but there is something slightly off, but mm-hmm. as sure as day, it's dead. Mm. Well, not really sure what it is I'm dealing with here, but uh, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll try hacking into it. Maybe see I can learn something. Maybe find out what happened to him. Maybe find out if where he came from, who he was working for. Maybe he knows something. Okay. So now that this being is dead, they do not have an easy portal of access. You make your way back up to the body and you find the base of the where the skull used to be and you can see mm-hmm. the neural link jammed in there just barely missed by atlas's uh burst axe i'm going to need you to make a biology check to remove it without destroying it 18 you're able to pull it gently loose and eventually with this kind of sucking breaking noise you get the neural link out <laughs> You've only held a neural link once or twice, and it was all in your military training. It is a small, elegant piece of equipment. It almost looks like a coffin um, that is about three inches long, metallic, has this like dull yellow like line that runs through the middle, and it kind of pulsates various different colors. And then you can see it has these like almost like spiderweb veins of sharp jagged metal that comes out of every single side in every direction and they slowly give away from the tips of them from hard jagged metal to soft spider-like webs that were attached into the various parts of the spine the the brain the face itself and you hold it up unfortunately without any slicer equipment, hacking equipment, and a personal computer to put it into, you will not be able to hack directly into it. But rest assured, you have gotten a piece of equipment safely. So as long as you can find some sort of terminal to work with, you will be able to find at least a good portion of the secrets and memories that were hidden within here. That's one thing out of the way. At least I got this thing out without breaking it. But uh, 
I think I'm just gonna keep moving. I need to figure out what else this temple has to tell me and uh, hurry up and get out of here before I get trapped. I'm gonna keep walking through the temple. Okay, so you, so you come back into the main area of the temple, kind of climbing your way through the rubble that McKenna threw apart using this powerful burst of technomancy. And you come to the antechamber that then splits off into an east and west wing hallway to the west that is the direction of the inner sanctum where you found the Christos shard as well as the little amulets and then to the east is the various cloves that are ruined the trashed hallway and what you think might be Gorn's personal bedroom that he might use whenever he's here at the temple. I'm going to make my way towards the bedrooms. Start to pass various rooms and stuff like that. Things that, areas that can be excavated but would take time. Well, I've got nothing but time to kill. Storm's going on out there. McKenna and Atlas are gone. I might as well take this time, this peace and quiet, to actually get some real work done. There are three main chambers that are that you can kind of shimmy into and work with. There's a lot of other ones. Yes, there's about there's about four other ones, but those are the ones that are like almost destroyed to the point of no return. And not destroyed long ago, you judging as you're kind of now taking your time through here, you can see grooves in the ground where something big ran its way through. Um, and you can see signs of still smoldering parts of like where Atlas's burst axe fired off randomly into the hallway. Now, go ahead and make insight roll as you try to figure out the, glean the differences of each room. Uh, 19. So Clive Jensen, as you kind of pierce through and trying to just get an idea of what was here before uh, the ceiling collapsed and everything, you were able to gather that the first room that you come upon, it looks like it had a doorway. The door is missing, and you can see about, it's about as far back in depth as Gorn's room was, which makes you start to kind of think like, this could have been maybe a bathroom, could have been a, a bedroom. It's similar dimensions made very, in, in a similar way, and the second room is before you start clearing out anything that you come to. That one's really kind of just pretty easy to get a grasp on uh, as you're able to work your way into about the first quarter of the room. There's various counters that have been, things have fallen on top of, but no mistake that this was some sort of food preparation hall. And the last room that you come to, that one is not as easy to read what it was. It is the room where you see a skeletal kind of like hand kind of protruding out from the rubble. Not anything new, ancient cloth that's really old. And when you kind of like poke it, you're afraid it would like unravel and break. So you just barely gently nudge it, but there's a thick layer of dust on it. You can't see the ends of that room itself, but... Well, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna start my search in this, this third room here. 
Seems like it could be the room that has the most most to offer. Make an athletics roll to start pulling stuff out and clearing it enough. And uh, strength was never my best. Strength was never my, as they say, strong suit. Nat 20. How about that? Working smarter, not stronger, you are able to <laughs> get uh, some smaller things out of the way, use certain elements as leverage, and then try and just pinpoint the areas where you might be able to pull like a heavy rock or something out, but get more to fall out with it. A a portion of the ceiling kind of tumbles inward and then flattens out along the ground. It moves some of the rocks that were covering this body and the body itself is so mangled to the point that it's hard to tell like the skull has been smashed by rocks and the cloth has lost its color long long ago and uh the only thing that's like decently all right is kind of that arm and hand and it is easily about quite a bit bigger than a normal human's bone proportion would be you look around the room and you see something similar to Gorn's room. You see facades of loxodons along the walls, these ancient murals. And then from there, go ahead and roll an investigation. 12. You do find some general things, uh, but nothing that seems to be what you're looking for. That This room itself it's hard to tell what it was but you do find like this almost kind of golden dinged up like tibetan bowl uh and you find like a very like another music implement similar so maybe some sort of meditation hall but all together in this room you find a ancient tapestry still in in tatters but might be worth some decent amount of credits um you find a bundle of incense. You bring them up to sniff. Some are half burnt. And go ahead as you're smelling it, make a um, culture check. Um, uh, 19. You recognize these, your travels in the past. It's a, it's, it's called Minsk. It's a um, floral scent that has kind of like this ashy end note and it is used quite often by dwarves more so in the form of like what we would consider like a hookah this is in the form of an incense interesting to find it's old but it is interesting as it is a loxodonian temple and that's mostly what you find in this room and then this is also this is the room that has the the hand poking out of the rubble yes am i able to tell what kind of creature the hand belongs to whether it would would be human or say loxodonian or dwarven okay yeah go ahead and make a a biology check yeah you can tell what it is it is it is a half work it is a pug's hand a half work now what what could he be doing down here? I thought this was a Loxodonian temple. And Gorn, he's a 
He's a tiefling. What the heck is a... I don't know, this... There's something else going on here. I wonder if McKenna knows anything about this. Is there is there anything on on the uh, corpse, or do I have to dig through the rubble to to see if I can get to the rest of the body? Go ahead and make a simple investigation roll, and because you've already done the digging successfully, you can do it with advantage. I got an eleven. You do find something. You find as you're uncovering the other arm that's crushed, a jade bracelet uh, wrapped around it. It is cut in the similar fashion that the Christosis shard was. All the various beads. And hanging from the bottom of it is a small piece of metal, probably about five centimeters in length. And it is, it's just like a small, like cylindrical, tiny piece of metal. It, it's almost like a, like a, a key without like the, the little end bit. I pull out the, uh, the necklace that we had found in the other room and I, compare the two and see if they look similar at all in any way they look nothing alike one this thing looks really old the necklace looks like something that was at, at least recent in the last 20 years um although it, it as you know money goes it's money within federation bounce is monetized as credits this is an old coin that's been minted over with the face of some sort of gray, but they are from two totally different eras. Hmm. Well, I guess I'll throw that into my backpack. I don't, it's not really going to do a whole lot for me right now. Seems like I'm. There's nothing else in this room. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll head off to that that second room I'm past. You make your way back into the second room. Again, you can get about a fourth of the way in there. The room is pretty... It's not as destroyed as some of the others. And uh, go ahead and make a straight intelligence roll. A nine. You're, like, just walking into the room. You're not sure completely, like, why that is. It might just be luck of draw. But there is... There's enough rubble around anyways um, that you would have to clear it. Oh. And slowly the room starts to clear and you are all the more certain that this is some sort of kitchen from the from the looks of it there are these these counters themselves are made out of stone they've been carved directly from the ground uh so they're connected so there are three of them that run through the room and as you are clearing rubble through what probably takes you the better part of 40 50 minutes you start to notice that these counters have some have like broken shelving beneath them but there is like hollow spaces below them the other thing that you start to notice as you are clearing out the room that their reason why the room hasn't completely collapsed is there is a metallic 
rod that is that has been put up on one side of the room and you can see like cracks and rivulets running off the ceiling from it but this rod that should be bending under great duress has a platform that kind of extends almost like a square off the top of it and one on the bottom and it's been wedged up from the floor to the wall and there is a very 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 dull uh, magenta pulse kind of coming from the center of it and then kind of spreading out and you can see that it's almost acting whoever put this there put it there because it's um, acting as a support beam in a pivotal spot mm. well this is a I think I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna take a look around the counters and into the the hollow openings in the behind the counters beneath those you start to find clusters of dusty bottles and clay pots with lids you find what looks to be like old old gauze and linens in a different one you find a bowl that looks like it's kind of like white on the inside but it's been kind of stained a deep rustic brown you find thin scissors that kind of curve at the end you know and are very almost surgically sharp and then you find in one of the counters there's a bunch of liquid that has long ago been just like that was destroyed and spilled across the bottom and you can just see kind of the stain of it and there's one single bottle left in a glass container that is covered with like a twist on lid that needs to be like you have to activate it and open it you kind of hold it up not sure but it's a clear liquid and you start to wonder if this is actually a kitchen. I open the bottle and smell the strange liquid. Go ahead and make an insight check. Unnatural 20. You're pretty sure it's embalming fluid. Embalming fluid? Well, I don't think this was a kitchen. At least I, I certainly hope it wasn't. I don't know what this this stuff would be doing in here. I start to take a look around the the rest of the room, take a deep or closer look at everything, just to just to kind of see if I can really confirm what this room used was used for, if I can find anything else, because it's starting to look like it was possibly a medical bay of some kind. Go ahead and make an investigation roll. Ooh, that one wasn't very good. Seven. You start to make your way around the room, and there's nothing really of note. You do come around to that rod, and there is one small thing that does catch your eye. It's when the the pulsating kind of like magenta light starts to come from the center and go out, you see a symbol that you recognize. It is the shrined cross at the center. This is some piece of Shrined Cross tech. Oh, this is this is great. This is this is excellent. This is this is a lead. This is this is information. I need this. I start kind of tugging on the pole, not not enough to move it, because I just want to test to see uh, its stability with holding the ceiling up. Like, I want to see if how much I can actually move this thing before the ceiling starts to fall on my head. My friend, 
you are unable to budget. Unable to budget? Like it doesn't wiggle at all? No. I examine the pole and see if there's maybe like a release switch or release button on it anywhere, top and bottom. Okay, go ahead and make make an investigation roll. Eleven. Off the cuff, when the lights radiate from that center of the shrine cross symbol, you see that that is actually just faintly a button. You kind of clear off some of the dust. Well, I think it's a bit too dangerous to press this and find out what happens. Don't want the ceiling to fall on my head. I think I'll, I think I'll leave this room for now and come back later when I'm ready to leave the temple totally and I'll see what I can do about taking that with me. So for now, I think I just gotta hold on. I gotta hold off here and keep investigating. I'm gonna start to make my way out of the room into the, the last room I haven't looked at. Okay. So as you come into that room and keeping with the choices we made before. Go ahead and make an athletics check to start clearing it. How about an eight? This room, it is so cluttered with rock that has jigsawed its way. You are unable to move a thing. Somewhere, there is that drip of water. Almost as you... There's another drip of water, as if the cave is mocking you. Well, this this is no use. I can't I can't move this this crap. Uh, well, I guess I'll just leave. I'll go back to I'll go back to Gorn's room. Maybe maybe there's something in there Atlas didn't destroy or something he must have missed. So you make your way down to the very end of the hallway, where the last room on the left is Gorn's room. You take one moment as you look ahead, and it's just about 10 feet ahead at where the hallway kind of dead ends <laughs> where you see a massive hole in the ground and it's just kind of ribbed in shadows so you didn't see it before you walk over and peer at it real quick and somewhere from down there you hear this faint and then there's a faint tremor and then it subsides you kind of back away slowly and you just see that the edges of the hole have like faint white chalky dust. What the heck? And then uh, you remember what you're doing is the tremor subside and make your way back into Gorn's room. Gorn's room is a mess, destroyed, absolutely ruined. You see the open safe, uh, I believe from uh, is under the bed where the bed's been pulled up and you see all the facades. I'm just gonna take one last uh, look around, do one one good investigation check throughout the room and see if maybe maybe we missed anything. Um, now that I kind of have an idea of what I'm looking for, that symbol is really what I'm, I'm focused on. Okay, go ahead and do that. 19? You scan the ground, you don't find anything different. You start rifling through papers and various things and bobs and ends you don't find anything and just as you're about to give up and walk away put your hands on your hips and you kind of like remove your hat and scratch your head looking up and that's when you notice on the ceiling there is rows of ones 
and zeros that have been painted onto the ceiling. This, this is interesting. I haven't seen... Oh, I guess my character does know basic code, so I guess he probably would know binary. I want you to go ahead and make a straight intelligence roll. Um, I rolled a one. I want to use my inspiration <laughs> to <laughs> roll that. This is why I only took basic classes. 18. That's a little better. Okay. You start to decode it. You you find that it is a code that the subject is for that of a synth and it is a reset. The coding essentially is made to make the machine reboot itself and momentarily become restful, complacent, essentially forget what it's doing. It's a restart, refresh. Why would us why would they need a why would they need a code to reset synths when this was a Loxodonian religion why would they need to paint it on the ceiling what oh man this this mystery just gets deeper and deeper and deeper uh, well still doesn't tell me anything about the shrine cross I still have nowhere closer than where I was your eyes wander to the floor as we honor the rest of your investigation check. And you see that as this is the cleanest room, besides the recent mess, the floor is covered in a facade of carved trunks. The trunks, however, all flow in one direction, like a great wave pointing out towards the door. Hmm. Oh, what, what the heck is going on in this temple? wish uh, McKenna was here. She could probably give me a little bit more insight on what this might mean. I guess I could take a gander. They probably are just pointing towards the, the main antechamber, but I don't know. I don't know what any of this means. Uh, well, it doesn't seem like I'm finding much of a lead in here. and This whole place is destroyed and turned upside down. Uh, well, I guess I'll make my way back and try to get that pole. Go back to the antechamber, maybe maybe take one last peek around there. I'm gonna make my way back to the room with the pole in it. Okay. So you make your way back to the room, your boots echoing. You come to the pole, you're slightly pulsating. You see that it has the button. Uh how close how close is the pole to the door? It is in so if the door is on like say like the eastern wall it it's in like the southwest corner so and that's probably about 15 feet i'm gonna take a snapshot of the pole with the symbol on it I guess I'll just I'll 
start making my way back to the antechamber, I don't think I'm going to be able to get that pole out of here without killing myself. Heaven knows if I die, McKenna and Atlas are screwed, so I think I'm done here. So you make your way out into the antechamber. You look ahead past the rubble to the steps. You look back down the west wing tunnel to where the inner chamber was of the temple. You look back to the east, kind of shake your head. Before you leave, is there anything last that you would like to do? No, I don't think so. I want to. Uh, I do want to collect some of those purple mushrooms. So then but... you make your way back out and you come up the steps to these purple mushrooms where they're just kind of just this beautiful fluorescent purple. As you come closer, you can see that they are webbed with veins similar to that, so of leaves. But as you get underneath them, you can see the frills that mushrooms have and there's a faint warmth kind of coming off of them. You reach up and it's almost like the fruit of it wants to just come off into your hands. And you harvest two bundles that you can carry back with you. And with that, you make your way up out of the chamber. You look out in the direction of the city. You can't see it because of all the different hills. The ground kind of shakes softly. You sigh. The rain still hasn't completely let up. <clears throat> and you can see where the speeder you would have taken is in smolders. Still smoking, still electric sparks coming off it. Your only option, unless you want to spend time trying to fix this thing, is to walk back to Nanoi. Uh, why on earth did I let them take the good speeders? What the hell was I thinking? I gotta walk in this crap now? Uh, Alright, well, I don't ever want to come back here and I don't know what this place was used for, but I don't think it was for anything good. So, before he starts, before he turns around and starts making his way towards the city, he's gonna take out his blaster rifle and he's actually gonna shoot the cave entrance to try to cause it to collapse so that nobody else can go in there. We are going to do this as a skill challenge. Pick a skill to help you try and figure out what points uh, would be best shot to bring down the cave entrance. Perception to possibly locate weak points in the, the rock. Seven? That is a fail. You are going to be shooting blind. It all looks the same to you. You're no dwarf. You're no expert. Ah, curse this rain. You raise the blaster as the rain hits into some of your eyes. You wipe that out. And go ahead and use an attack roll. Uh, 14. So you hit quite a few different points. Almost kind of using your... your the, the natural instincts you have as a fighter to bring down the various areas, you manage to bring down quite a few different spots. And then as like the stalactites and the rock crash into the ground on the third bit that comes down, the part that would cover the front of the cave, there is a deep rumble and a shake and a <sighs> You look down 
and at the same time this is like coinciding with a smaller scale earthquake just as the stalactite hits the ground <sighs> cracks kind of run out to your feet I need you as the ground starts to open up beneath you make one skill that wow. you want to get out of the way of being engulfed within the noise surface <laughs> uh survival check oh don't fail me now oh yeah 14 14 all right jump to the side grabbing one of the the uh rock structures that you're jutting out of the ground you feel that kind of start to shake and you're like this is not good you then run over to another kind of like touching the various rocks that jut up out of the ground from past earthquakes kind of feeling for the tremors and where it's like getting weaker and you start to make your way away from it by finding which direction the earthquake is really kind of like hitting from and, and you find some modicum of safety as not only does a gout of dust rock and rubble come up from the front of the cavern spilling over and crushing it and, and covering the cave but also as short sinkhole that kind of bowls into the ground forms not too far from where you were before. As it clears, there is the sound of and you see a bunch of like four winged birds kind of flying off from like various nesting spots as just kind of like offended that not only would you shoot and uh, wake them, but that there would also be an earthquake that they would have to fly away from. And you just watch as almost like this V formation of these birds kind of flap away. And you just kind of find yourself standing there, hat in hand, just what a night. I, I need to just... I need to get off this planet. Like, this this just is not going my way. I, I need to start heading back to town. I need to meet up with the Atlas and McKenna. Start making my way towards town. And with that, Clive trudges off into the darkness. And I think that that's a good place for us to call the game. So guys, I'm so stoked we had Sam back as Clive Jensen. I hope you all were because he utterly and completely failed at finding a lot of shit. <laughs> so um, Great. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. With, that little rusty, you know, shake, shaking the rust off. Yeah, before we have the big game, we're back together. And yeah. with that, Spacers, we will see you guys next week. Um, Bye, everybody. Dude, uh, you were so close to finding stuff. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers. <laughs>